So I thought it was fitting to start off with that Ace Hood song right there, Hustle Hard. So as I'm watching the first half, I'm thinking, man, the same old, sh- just a different day. Special teams, disaster, and penalties. And add to that uninspired play for some reason at Armstrong Stadium. Don't get it. And then I'm thinking the only way they can get back into this game is to hustle hard. And they actually did that during the third quarter. They scored uh, 17 unanswered points to uh, tie the game at the uh, beginning of the fourth quarter. So they did hustle hard. But I felt, you know, that Aesop song kind of fit perfectly what we saw, at, you know, during this game against A&T. So... With that, uh, we'll just jump right into it. Welcome to the HU Pirate Ship Podcast. You can find us at www.hupirateship.com. We'll be talking about the Pirates. It's free and anyone can join. Verified Pirates are treated to inside information about HU and HU Athletics. I'm your host, Tariq, a.k.a. Big Greek from the HU Pirate Ship, and I'm a 2000 alum, and we also have Hamptonite from the HU Pirate Ship. What's going on, Hamptonite? Nothing much. How about yourself? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. So, um... Yeah, man, Pirates lose a tough one at home to A&T, 45-31. If you look at the box score, it's like, how in the heck did that happen? If you look at the box score, for the most part, we had the advantage, especially offensively and defensively. Um, we had 22 first downs. A&T had 13. We had 431 yards. A&T had 187. Um, also, uh, time of possession. We also had the edge in time of possession by almost – over five minutes. So you just look at those things. It's like, man, we should have won this game going away quite easily. But <laughs> according to the Hustle Hard song, it was the same old shiggity. Uh, we had uh, 114 yards in penalties. That's 14. We were penalized 14 times. Uh, we were 2 for 12 on third downs and allowed four punt returns for 203 yards and one touchdown. And then to top it off, many of those penalties came on special teams. So after we give up a 30-yard punt return, we then add on 15 yards with some crazy unsportsmanlike or holding or something nuts. So, I mean, it was pretty bad from a special teams and penalty perspective. And special teams, I mean, you know, we, we talked about it before. We don't have a coach or we don't appear to have a coach. But if we did have one, he'd be fired fired after this uh, special teams display. So it was pretty uh pretty uh, sad sight to see. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, those special teams and penalties, man? Well, I'm I'm just going to chalk it up to say this. This was a lesson for Maynard, and I think he is continuing continuing to learn these messages or these, these lessons as he becomes, I would say, an FCS head coach. And you have to win in all facets of the game offense, defense, and special teams. Now, I know a lot of coaches never think about special teams, but this is that one time where it actually happened. There were two to two punt returns, one for a touchdown, and one kick return, which made it all the way to, I think, the five-yard line, which resulted in A&T's anemic offense scoring. This is something that's indicative of players not not focusing in certain areas and I think that we saw that with the with the large number of penalties and we saw that with the uninspiring and undisciplined play during special teams. Agree. Agree. So I, I you know I think we I think that is infecting the whole team at different points in time. It's like 
you know, plugging a dike. You know, you put your finger in one hole, another one pops open. So, like this week, we play well offensively, defensively. We get the turnover battle, and then special teams blows up. Some other week, the defense wears down. Some other week, we're throwing interceptions and fumbling the ball and getting sacked. So, I mean, each game is just something different. And I think, you know, that, what you said, that undisciplined play, uninspired play affects some unit every week. And this week, it was just special teams. So, they they had their day. So yeah, it was it was it was it was a uh, it was bad a sad sight to see. So, you know, while we're here, you know, we go through our good, bad, and ugly. So we've already jumped into the bad, so we can just continue there. We already talked about the penalties and special teams. The only other gripe I have is uh, now that we have uh, two conference losses, so uh, that means we need to make a run to get back into the MIAC and have a lot of luck. I also think an at-large run is still uh, at-large bid is possible, but we got to run the table. Uh, it seems unlikely, but stranger things have happened. But, uh, I mean, it's clear that the team can play with anyone, but finishing is another story. So two conference losses, they seem they're in the middle of the pack, so they got a ways to go to get back into it, um, you know, to really compete. So any any other thoughts on just some bad things, uh, Hamptonite, or we, we done beat that up enough? Uh, I think we pretty much covered it because the defense played somewhat well along with the offense. But the special team left, left a gaping hole, which pretty much blew open the game for us. So now yeah, okay. we can go ahead and move over to the good. All right, cool, man. <laughs> so the good, actually, there, there was a lot of good in this game, actually. So, I mean, the defense showed up. So I, I just hear Reverend Barber saying, let's hear it for the defense. So, you know, <laughs> he was saying that all game uh, held A&T to 187 yards. Now, Cohen, I still think he hit 100 yards, but – I mean, it was pretty quiet 100 yards. It wasn't like those uh, sports center type runs. So we held them in check for the most part. And we held that uh, Denzel Keys, if I'm not mistaken, that they're number one wide receiver. Now, he's good. I mean, if they had somebody to really throw him the ball, he could be uh, all MIAC. But uh, we held him in check as well. Um, so the defense, big shout-out to the defense for holding A&T in check. Um, Mixon got back on track this game. Uh, he had, I think, five catches, 136 yards, and a touchdown. So he got back in the, you know, in the in the right uh, state of mind in this game and, and had a big impact. And then Owen Obasui showed up for the first time in a big way this year. He had two sacks with three tackle for losses. So, I mean, we're expecting a lot from him this year. He had a slow start for some reason, but – um, this year, he, he's really uh, – this game, he had, his, uh, I would say, his breakout game of the season. And uh, then I would just say the good is uh, the third quarter. So, you know, normally Hampton come out to the locker room sluggish, had too much Gatorade or something, and uh, they're falling asleep. But this game, they came out firing. I think they kind of maybe since their season was online, maybe they were embarrassed or something. I don't know what Maynard said, but they came out swinging this third quarter, and they scored 17 straight points to actually tie the game at 31 um, and, uh, you know, tie, uh, yeah, took a uh, tie the game in the early fourth, fourth quarter, but then special teams just, you know, killed the game for the Pirates. So lots of things to be proud of, things to build on five games into the season. Uh, so that's my, my good list. So there, there are some things that uh, Maynard can be showing the team in the, in the meetings and film room uh, early this week. So any, any other superlatives this week, Hampton Knight? Um, I'll just kind of put you back off of what you said. Uh, TJ Mixon did get back on track with three catches for 136 yards and one touchdown. That is a monster day. 
and yeah, you're right. Obasui did have two sacks and three tackles for a loss. He did get off to a slow start, but I think he is starting to understand how to play within the system. Because if you noticed in the first couple of games, well, last year he played as a defensive end, but it looks like he's bulked up enough where now he they have put him at the de-tackle position. And I think with his footwork, because you can tell he probably plays more sports like basketball, so he is pretty fleet-footed around those big offensive tackles and offensive guards. So it makes him, a, I would say, a an offensive nightmare when it comes to uh, pass uh, protecting. And I just think that we're starting to see him more, you know, see more of his game develop, you know, as the season goes on. Yeah, and, and we need that. He's a he's a true sophomore, so he's got a lot of time to grow and get better. So that was that was good to see him get back on track. So, you know, a lot of things to build on uh, going uh, into the next game against uh, Delaware State. So, mm-hmm. you know, after after five games in and almost a year and a half with Mano, I'm hearing a lot of chatter and just talk about the whole rebuilding process. So. Some folks are still high on Maynard. Some folks are starting to question. Some folks never thought it would work out in the first place. Me personally, I'm still high on on Maynard and what he's trying to do. I, I still think, you know, coaching at this level is still a little bit different and some of the confines that, you know, the MEAC presents and, you know, quite frankly, Hampton presents. So I think working through all those things is a little bit uh, difficult, but I still think we're heading in the right direction. But uh, just my general view of the team is I think they're very talented, but I don't think Maynard has a team, a capital T-E-A-M. So, I mean, there's a, a famous saying, like uh, when you watch the sports, the old uh, sports uh, shows, and they, there's a saying with Mike Dicker after a game, a big game, he's like, we became a team today, man, we became a team today. You know, they, they play team football, and I don't see that when I'm watching the Pirates. So, my perspective, I see he just has a bunch of dudes out there just learning to play together, just on the fly. Um, we have all these transfers, people coming, streaming in late, people being uh, becoming eligible late. So I, I think there's not a lot of cohesion and camaraderie. So we just have a bunch of dudes out there just playing, in some instances playing for themselves. So, um, you know, just not a lot of trust and camaraderie out there. And I think that shows in the carelessness out there. I don't think it's a lack of effort. It's just a lack of faith in the man next to you that he's going to do his thing, faith in your own understanding of the scheme and actually doing the right thing so people just start playing you know outside of the the framework of the defense offense and special teams so you know i think he needs to really get these guys to buy into pirates hampton and not you know themselves and whatever school or situation they came before and realize that we are playing as a team um unsportsmanlike penalties i mean those are just awful that's like complete I mean, it happens to every team, but it happens to us every week at the worst time. And it's just a complete lack of disrespect for your team and, and what you're trying to do collectively. So I think he just needs to build a team. He needs to still get more of his guys in there and uh, try and mold them into a cohesive unit where everyone's pulling at the same time in the same direction. Um, so, yeah, I, but I, I still like the direction. I mean, we fight every week. Uh, we're not, we don't fight for four quarters, but we're in every game. Every game is interesting. And, uh, you know, the team has talent, but I, I would like to see, you know, Maynard, you know, mold the team into, uh, you know, a cohesive unit. 
Um, just another thing to think about as the team rebuilds. I mean, the team, Hampton has been bad for a couple years now. I think a lot of us, especially like myself, we're still uh, on balance. If you've been watching Pirates for over at least a decade, you still remember the old Joe Taylor years when we had Langford and Durant and Coleman and all those dudes, Mathis. So that kind of balances out what we've been seeing lately. But past three years, they're three and seven, four and eight, three and nine, and who knows what to end up this team uh, this year. So they've been bad the past couple of years, just to put it bluntly. So it's going to take time to turn this around. It won't be done in a year or two, apparently. So just need to take. Remember, it takes time to turn this ship around. Pun intended. So. I just think uh, if he can keep this staff together, I like what Ketchum is doing on defense. The offense can be explosive at times. Get a special teams coach. And then who knows? You know, who knows what the team can turn into, but I still like the direction. And then the other thing, just to think about, like the SIDs, I mean, they did predict us to finish in the middle of the pack this year. So those guys have some idea what they're talking about. And at least the way they look now, they're on two and three. You know, we're going to finish somewhere in the middle of the pack, which will be an improvement over next year. So I'm not lowering expectations, but I'm just trying to set the stage of where we are, where we've been, and, you know, how far it's going to take to get to where we need to go. So that's enough of my rambling here tonight, man. What's your thoughts on rebuilding and where we are and how the team looks and just your general feelings on Maynard and, 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 and company? Well, you put the nail on the head uh, when you talked about uh, what Mike Dick's uh, philosophy is, team. Now, we all know what team means. It means the acronym is together, everyone achieves more. And when you think about that, are the players for Hampton, are they achieving more by playing at Hampton? Um, and this is why I say this, is because I mean, yes, Maynard did bring in a lot of transfers, and he did recruit a lot of kids, but those freshmen, I don't think, were able to step into uh, to starting roles at the moment because the, the, the game is a little bit, I mean, because they're novices. You know, they're, they're, the game is new for them. So I can understand the uh, transfers. Believe me, we will be in a worse off situation if we didn't have some of these guys. Agreed. But with, but with that being said, though, when you come to an, another university or another program, you must take on the identity of the program. Now, Hampton, I, was, I have always said, is the flagship of the MEAC. Now, it's a lot of tradition here. It's a lot of um, – so it's, a, it's a, a lot to be a Hamptonian. And I think that the players, you know, if you come in the summer and you're you're heading into the football season, you don't know about Howard, you don't know about Norfolk State, you know, you just want to play. And some of these kids just want to get enough tape so that they can play at the next level. And we have to be honest with that. So, of course, when you get that type of athlete in, and I'm not trying to say that they're bad, you know, you get an athlete that wants to play and compete and to win, you know, you're going to get uh, unsportsmanlike penalties. You're going to get uh, you're going to get self, somewhat selfish play, and you're also going to get what you what you pointed out earlier a lack of faith uh, with the next guy. So I mean, so I guess basically, as of right now, this is what we have because the players that were holdovers from the Rose regime. And Maynard's own recruits, I don't think, are ready to step in and fill that void. You know, these guys still are freshmen and sophomores. 
So um, I do see the fact that, you know, we've had mediocre seasons, poor to mediocre seasons for the past three, uh, three to four years, three and seven, four and eight, three and nine. And I think the way that Maynard is going to turn the ship around is he's going to recruit disguise. And which we have seen because we've seen Eric Carter, we've seen Jarrell Antoine, we've seen Obasuli, and we've seen the new kid, Elijah Farrell. You know, these are really good players. You know, I know they're freshmen, but they have started to show flashes. So, I mean, we see what the future looks like, and the future is bright. But if you put those guys in the lineup right now, then the team would probably, we probably would have lost to Kentucky State. So, um, yeah, the SIDs were correct with um, where Hampton was placing. I just think it was a little fool's go when we got in David Watford because David Watford is a, a very accurate quarterback. So do I think that we could uh, – I think our expectations were extremely high based upon Maynard got his guy and David Watford. We have all these great receivers. And the defense probably will probably just start have shootouts all day. And, you know, if we had the ball last, we would definitely win. But that is not the case. So I just think that at this point in time, it's, we have to kind of bring down our level of expectation because we were at the point where we think we could actually win the MEAC. We probably make a run into the playoffs. And, I mean, it could possibly still happen, but you're asking all these transfers to come together in a short period of time. I think that's very difficult. Agreed. Agreed. And one thing you mentioned about the wide receivers, like, I, one thing I forgot is that they are talented and they are deep, but, you know, I, like you said in a past episode, I don't like calling out um, these guys. And, you know, if they were getting paid, then I would definitely call them out, but you <laughs> um, guys are like, you know, kids and volunteers, you know, whatever. But anyway, yeah. they have a lot of wide receivers. But, man, they've been making some dumb mistakes, dumb penalties, drops. Yeah. They've been playing poorly the past couple of weeks. So, why didn't he bench some of these guys, man? If we're that deep at that position, I mean, you know, why don't you make a statement there? Maybe he has, but I've seen the guys, you know, have a drop in on a sportsman like back-to-back. He's still in the game. I'm like, yo, I mean – if you're trying to set, you know, whatever your temp, whatever your, you know, program is supposed to be, then then maybe, you know, you know, you kind of make some examples like that. But, you know, I, I was watching the Bills and the Giants this week, and the Bills had 17 penalties against the Giants. I don't know how many yards, but after the game, Rex was like, "Hell, I'm proud of my game. They, my, my guys, they play hard." So maybe, <laughs> maybe I, I, I dare won't say this is what he wants, but maybe, you know. You know, maybe there's not a big I, – I don't, I don't know. It, it, it seems like there may be an opportunity to have some guys take a seat, you know, and watch as they make dumb penalties instead of keeping them in there. Maybe that will show the young guys, like, hey, this stuff is important. But, you know, I, I think there needs to be just sort of a culture change and some way to get these guys on the same page. So Absolutely. Absolutely. So, the future yeah, is still bright, man. <laughs> it is bright, so – Oh, yeah. Yep. Definitely that. Definitely that. I definitely agree. Yep. Cool. And let's get a daggone special teams coach. That'll help. You know what? When it comes to the special teams coach, I mean, I saw it when I saw Howard, uh, Howard University's uh, 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 ball game or their 
their blue and annual blue and white game, and I saw that special teams coach. And I saw how basically they they were uh, they were a full team. You know, I'm not saying Hampton is not a full team, but do we really need a quarterback coach? I mean, and not to take away that brother's job. I'm just saying though, if Maynard is calling the plays, he has a pretty he can see the quarterback, you know, he doesn't have to coach him. You know he sees exactly what the quarterback is doing. But I do think a special teams coach would be would be ideal. And hey, if if the athletic director says, Hey, you guys need to fund that position I would put, I would write out my checkbook. You know, I, I might not be able to pay his full year salary, but I'll put something on it. Yeah, me too. Me too, man. I always buy him lunch for a week or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, that's right, man. So yeah, but we agree. We're, we're both heading in the right direction. I think everybody just needs to chill. We're not getting blown out of these games. We're not competitive, so things are looking up. So um, you know, we'll talk about the MEAC scores. Things are getting interesting as we get into the season, so we'll, we'll go through those scores and give a couple thoughts. So the big shocker of the week for me is that uh, Savannah State beat Florida A&M. The Rattlers are officially down, and Savannah State is on the way up, so they're actually going to get a win this year, and they beat Florida A&M 37-27. to Big shocker for me. Um, good, uh, Big ups to uh, Savannah State for getting in the, in the win column. Uh, South Carolina State lost to Furman. Sound like your typical old, old MEAC nonsense, penalties, turnovers. You you play with Furman, even dominate them in positions, but you just don't execute down the stretch, and they lose that game uh, at Furman, it looks like. Um, but they should have won that game, uh, or at least been a lot closer than 17-3. to Morgan State beat Delaware State, eh, 26-6. to but Don Cookman in the best game I've seen this week, or my game of the week, uh, they beat uh, North Carolina Central 28 to six. Now that game came down to the final plays, and North Carolina Central actually appeared to have a touchdown, uh, but they ruled them down at like the one foot line, and um, subsequently had to try a, a field goal to win the game, and it was blocked. And Don Cookman pulled that one out, but that was a great game, well played game. Uh, Norfolk State uh, beat Howard 15-12 to at Howard's homecoming. That sounds like a snooze fest, but the 15-12 Norfolk State, uh, big win over Howard. And, of course, we lost A&T 45-31. So, you know, we're all in the MEAC this, this, this time of year, so things are starting to take shape. Um, so, as a result, we'll just go to the standings, uh, go to the standings. Each team has some thoughts on each team as we – Kind of talk about them. So, first place, Bethune Cookman is a two and zero, and they're four and one overall. So, I, I still think they're flawed. I don't, I don't like their their passing game. They can be made one dimensional, uh, but they're stout as always. I mean, they probably the best looking team in the MEAC. Um, so they'll 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 be all the way to the end. But I don't like the fact that they don't pass the ball well. So I don't. I yeah, don't I definitely, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, I do. I have noticed that. If you notice, but Bill Cookman does bring in a lot of F, uh, FBS transfers as well. But I do think that they have a great job at indoctrinating those players into Bethune Cookman football. So, yeah, there's no shock there. But Bethune Cookman's passing game is a little 
weak this time of year, but the defense was always stout. Yep, yep. just like Bethune-Cookman. So they're right there. Morgan State, 2-0 in the conference. They are 2-2 overall, but sorry, and 2-0 in the MIAC. I don't really know what to say about Morgan State. I mean, they're, they're there and somehow tied for first place. Um, they can win or tie for the first uh, place again like they did last year, but I'm, I'm not sure outside of, the, outside of their running back what else they really have to offer. But I mean, they're there, and, and, and um, they're apparently going to be there for the rest of the year. Yeah, they beat Dell State and Howard. Yeah. I mean, let's wait till they play the 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 real hitters of the Actors, and we can we can have a better uh, gauge for them later on down the line. Yep, agreed. And Norfolk State two and zero in the Act, two and three overall. So we know they beat us and they beat uh, Howard. So they they beat uh, both the HUs this year. So they're sitting well. They have some flaws though. I mean, I I'm not sold on their defense. Um, they they hit us hard in that third quarter, but they can be had. I mean, they were struggling against Howard for a while, so Howard should have won that game. So, um, uh, Norfolk State, I think they're going to get tripped up a little bit later down the year. But right now, they're two and zero, and still tied for first in the MIAC. So good for them. Yeah, good for them. Good for them. Yeah, won't last. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A and T, they want to know. They they. Lumped us up on special teams, but after this game, I'm not a believer. Um, their passing game is, is suspect, and I have to get them tripped up again, or at some point in time this year. But I'm not a really a believer in them either. So, but they are one and zero right now, and um, you know, tied for second in the MIAC. Yeah, let them play, um, but them took men on Norfolk State or even South Carolina State, and which I would say are, are defensive heavy teams. And you know, Krishan Quick has a really trouble, has a really hard time throwing the ball. And it looks like everybody's basically keyed on, uh, keyed in on uh, Tariq Cohen. So basically, I don't know how they're going to generate any offense with A and T because they clearly are anemic at that uh, at the quarterback position. Yeah, and they're not going to play us every week, so they're not going to get. 200 some yards on punt returns, so they, they need to Correct. manufacture some other offense to, to, to stay in Correct. place. Yep. So South Carolina State, they want to know in the conference, they're, they're, they're your normal South Carolina State team. They're going to look good coming off the bus, too. They're going to hit you in the mouth, but when they got to make that key pass late in the game, they're not going to do it. And um, I fear that's going to be more of what we see with them, but they should be in until the end, too. So I, I expect them to finish in the top two or three of the conference again this year. Um, so oh, yeah. So typical Buddy Pierce. Yep, typical Buddy. We know what's coming. We, we know what's yeah. coming. <laughs> yeah. Savannah State now, man, they are ahead of us in the standing. What the heck is going on out here? <laughs> they are one and one. Props to them, though, man. I mean, they, they, hanging, in, they hanging in there, man. I mean, I – Shoot, I would have considered throwing in the towel the way they've been playing the past couple of years, but you know they're, they're getting better. <laughs> they're getting yeah, better, right? absolutely, yeah. absolutely. One and one, we're one and two in the conference. I think we have, yeah, almost. We're, we're tied for the well. We have two losses. Yeah, two losses in the conference. So we need yeah. a long climb back uphill. But surprisingly, yeah. we are ahead of North Carolina Central. They are all in one in conference play. That is going to improve. I am a big fan of what I see out of the uh, Eagles. Um, 
I think that they have some good coaching in place, very good coaching in place. If you watch the team, they're very disciplined and uh, efficient. I think their main issue is that they're not overly talented, but they're well coached and they do what yeah. they 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 do what they're supposed to do. But once they get that one or two guys that are like game changers, I think they're going to really make some noise in the MEAC. But um, I, I'm I'm I am I'm a big fan of what they're doing down there in Durham. Props to Jerry Mack. Yep. He has done a marvelous job with that team. Yep. And you can tell because the team is always energized. The team plays, it, it plays to the whistle, and you just do not see that out of many NEAC teams this year. So props to Jerry Mack. Great job, great program. Yep, yep, they're on the way, man. They just need that one that one guy on offense, and, and it's over. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're looking good even though they're – we're ahead of them right now in the standings. And then rounding up the top, the bottom three is uh, Delaware State at 0-1, Florida, Florida A&M at 0-2, and Howard University at 0-3. So it's just a, it's a rough year up on Georgia Avenue, man. Something's going on. <laughs> Something's wrong. But they're, they're bringing up the well, year. Well, let, let, me, let me add a few things about uh, those bottom dwellers. Um, Delaware State, you know, they're perennial bottom feeder. Same with Howard. But Florida A&M, at the bottom of the MEAC, with the 0-5 record and the 0-2 in-conference record, I mean, we knew that they were going to struggle this year, but none of us did not see this happening. First of all, they lost to Savannah State. And I've known, if you go on the MEAC fan zone um, board, a lot of people called um, called out uh, Savannah State for their programs. Uh, history in the past, uh, I think, five years of being in the act. Well, much longer than that. But for their program's history in the MEAC, they thought that Savannah State wasn't pulling their weight. Now, if you look at Florida A&M for the past five to six years, you know, they have not pulled their weight as well. And let me just give you a, a story about my Florida A&M experience Uh when I was in Hampton, um, I was, of course, uh, a radio announcer there. And I remembered when, this was during the Billy Joe days, and they were playing in Armstrong Field, and I think well, it was halftime. And I think we were down 40 to 12, I think. And the FAMU coaches, you know, when they were coming back from the locker rooms and they were heading up to the coach box, some of them stopped in on the first floor of the press box um, and the first floor of the press box is normally reserved for media, credentialed media. So a few of the coaches came in there, and of course, if you are in the media field, you normally would see that there's always refreshments, orders, and, and in Hampton's case, Church's Chicken was a sponsor. <laughs> Church's Chicken. I'm talking about... A two-piece chicken box with the biscuit, a biscuit and, and some jelly. With the, no, I'm talking about with the hot butter biscuit, <laughs> okay. Ooh, honey butter biscuit, and and it had to be. But I would say about about 50 boxes in there. You know, everybody's everybody's eating their food, and churches, of course, was an official sponsor. So the family coaches come in and they see all these chicken boxes just sitting there, and they just literally just start hoarding the box. Hoarding the boxes, and the people, and the I think the SID at the time, and a couple of the other 
um, uh, Hampton athletic officials like kindly went over to them and said, this is for the media. Hmm. You know, this is, this is not for you. And I remember this clear as day, the family coach is saying, we got to run up another 40 on y'all. We can do whatever we want. Do, and they literally walk out of the press box with all those chicken boxes and go up, and go up to their uh, booth. And, yeah, they probably scored another 25 points. And, no, no, I'm sorry, another 15 points. And we ended up getting blown out that game. Wow. Now, with that being said, though, uh, Florida A&M is in a serious funk. Um, they've gone through a slew of coaches, and it's just not worked for their advantage. Yeah, I, mean, I know we all remember uh, Reuben Carter. Then after Reuben Carter, it was our favorite coach, Joe Taylor. And he did have some initial success there, but, you know, he just could not overturn the culture of losing there. <laughs> then, of course, his, I would say, his protege, Earl Holmes came in, and I think Earl Holmes was a little bit overmatched for this position and was promptly let go. And now you have Alex Wood, who's cleaning up the mess of the previous regime. And then to top it off, you have, um, I think, what, five to six athletic directors in like a 10 year span? It's probably even more than that. And right now, Florida A&M is in a serious problem. And they really need to to address these issues, or to to look at to look at it from an economic or financial standpoint, and say, is this worth it? You know, can we do this? And at this moment, I mean, I could say yes, they can do that, but it's going to take a lot of work. And I just know for the next couple of years. Florida A&M, well, I would say the next five years, Florida A&M is going to be homecoming date, and I can't wait. And I hope we schedule them on a couple of our homecoming trips. <laughs> wow. That's all I got to say on, on FAMU. Well, man, <laughs> tell me how you really feel, man. No no, 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 no words meant there. So I will say this. You know, <laughs> I, I've been to Tallahassee, Tally Ho a couple of times, and uh, you know, I've heard fam, goddamn you, enough times in my life. <laughs> to, uh, to be somewhat familiar with that that culture, but even you know living in D.C. for a while, you know Howard fans are pretty obnoxious. But the most obnoxious fans that I can remember was FAMU, especially when they're winning. Man, you don't want to be near them. So, you know, I don't really shed tears for for where the position that their athletics are in. But I do, you know, this is a whole separate conversation about politics. I think if you're really looking to some of the issues they've been having, you know, with their legislature and things and you know, that mm-hmm. kind of coincides with some of their, you know, funding issues that it kind of contributes to what we have here. So I don't I don't envy them for having to deal with that situation, but I do think it's interesting in where they find themselves. But I do hope they get back, but you know, anytime yeah. soon so we can get our revenge on some of them whoopings we took over the years. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so sorry, fam, you, but y'all, y'all will get back one day. Everybody gets off the mat at some point in time. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're getting off the mat too, man. We had a winning season in what four years, so you know that's kind of yeah. crazy, man. You know what? You put it that way. The this year's senior class at Hampton has never seen a winning team. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Kind of deep. <laughs> Very deep. Unless we can win this year, but anyway, that's a that's a sidebar, man. That's interesting. All right. Well, hopefully that changes this year. 
Uh, but Absolutely. That's, that's our MEAC rundown. It's still a mess right now. Everyone's flawed, but, uh, you know, it, it's starting to get hot and heavy. So uh, coming up next, homecoming, Hampton plays Delaware State. Uh be honest with you, I'm not excited about this game. Um, it's just uh, Hampton is playing a bad team right now. So, and Hampton has a tendency to play bad football. Um, so, you know, in my my honest opinion, I think that this is going to be a close game, and it's going to be sloppy at times, and it's going to be hard to watch. If 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 you know previous games have been any indication, um, they play up and down to the competition. So, um, I think Hampton will pull it out, but I think it's going to be a a, a a tough watch. But uh, be a little bit more uh, optimistic than me, Hampton. What, what's your thoughts? I do think we'll win, but I, I don't think it's going to be a a great game. But uh, set me straight, man. Yeah, I think we're going to win. I think we're probably going to eke out a close victory, like a 27-20 to 20 type of win. Yeah. And I have to be honest, I have not watched Dale State at all this year, so I have no idea. But if their team was any indication, if, if, if there's uh, any indication of the team that we played last year, then I would just say it will probably be uh, – Hampton will probably drop, jump, jump out to a – I would say like a 14 nothing uh, lead, and they'll stay will adjust and come and make it 14-10. Hampton goes up, maybe 21-10. They come back, and then they'll probably just end up being 27 or 20. Hampton uh, with Hampton with with uh, David Watford throwing three touchdowns and a couple of picks, and uh, you know I just I just see it. I don't think that they will lose homecoming to Delaware State. And if they do, then that is that would be a downer for the year. Downer for everything, man. That would that would just be <laughs> that would be a downer. But I mean, just just watch this game. Just watch it because I mean, well, let's look at Delaware State who they played this year. So they are zero four. They've uh, lost to Liberty, Kent State, Choan, who is a Division two school, and Morgan State. So I mean, and none of these. I mean, Choan they should have won that, but they still lost. Um, so this should be right in our wheelhouse. Get healthy, homecoming, in front of all of the old people, young people, babies, uh, everybody in between. But, you know, we're going to play right to where they are. I mean, we played two Division two schools under Maynard, Maynard and we could have lost both of those games. We should have lost a miles last year. And Kentucky State, you know, which is still a crazy game to me, we could have lost that game. I mean, they ain't belong on the field with us, but we could have lost that game. So I, I, I don't I, I don't have they, – they're going to play – there's going to be some mind-boggling plays at times during this game. So, But it should win. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So on a positive note, it is homecoming. So <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot of, lot of good-looking people, a lot of chickens. A lot of drinks, a lot of stepping, a lot of bands. It's going to be a fun time. So if you're there, which I might make it, uh, definitely have a good time. <laughs> but uh, the game is, is, is the reason for the party. So hopefully the Pirates pull it out. I'm expecting them to, and hopefully everybody has a good week at homecoming this week. I yeah. We'll, we'll be 500 after this week. 
Yeah, we'll definitely be 500, and I hear that Fetty Wap is going to perform. So, oh, I mean, I'm a little jealous. Uh, it seems like they open up the homecoming budget since we've been in, uh, in school. So, I do think No. okay, Definitely not. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, that's for the kids, right. you know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 90s. I, I'm, a, I'm a rock camp terrorist, okay. one outcast, getting okay. mobbed out. <laughs> right. So, no, no. I do think that uh, Hampton will get back to 500 status, and I do think that this will be a confidence booster. And I also think that that will give us some sort of momentum going into the next game. Okay. But, but I do think that we'll play down to the competition. We have not had we have not had a blowout all year, and I hopefully this could be it. Yep, let's hope. Let's hope. <laughs> hope springs eternal. So we it, <laughs> we hope. So therefore, it shall happen. So, uh, Absolutely. Well, thanks, man, for for a good show. Um, we'll sign off and uh, look uh, have a recap of what happened uh, next week uh, as Hampton takes on Delaware State. So uh, again, I'm Big Rick, and it's Hampton night. And thanks for listening. Catch you later. Peace. Peace.